Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning comes from the Old Testament, from the prophet Isaiah. I'll be reading verses 1 through 5. I invite you to follow along. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, all of us here have either adored someone or something in our lives. Uh, maybe it was when you fell in love for the very first time. Or when you held your newborn child in your arms. Or when your parents threw open their arms to greet a visiting grandchild from out of state. Now, when I think about adoring something, I can't help but think of the scene that I found from the TV show Kevin Can Wait as Kevin James begins his love affair with an unfamiliar kind of food. We're going to dim the lights and take a look. Yeah, I would love that. That's awesome. Yes. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what am I looking at here? It's fun. Is what? Pho. Well, pho looks like a clogged sink. <laughs> what are those chunks floating around there? What is that? It's chicken. You love chicken. Did he make this outside? What is this? <laughs> Seasoning. Just try it. Good? You don't tell me about it? Yeah, and wait till you try the beef. This comes in beef? <laughs> now, that adoration is just a glimpse because eventually we will discover that even our best human adoration is limited in its depth and its scope. We can adore a new teacher or a new boss, a new coach, a new pastor, a new political leader, or even a newfound food. But nothing can quite compare to the adoration at Christmas shown to Jesus Christ. This is what the wise men discovered upon arriving in Judea. Uh, most likely they were Zoroastrian priests from Persia, mysteriously hearing God's invitation in a completely foreign land and a different culture, and then choosing to respond to come and see the Messiah. And so I want to invite you to join me as I read a portion of the story of the Magi from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then I'm going to skip on down and read the end of the story in verses 11 and 12. Once again, I invite you to follow along. 
In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once again, would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we thank you in how the wise men traveled such a great distance and then they were rewarded in their discovery of Jesus the Messiah. This December 24th morning, we too have come on a quest for this baby. And so we pray that the star of your spirit would lead us to the place where he is and that as we kneel at his side, you would draw us close to him and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, throughout this season of Advent, we've been looking at different carols. We started with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Then the next week we did Away in a Manger. Last week we did Joy to the World. Tonight, we're gonna look at the carol Silent Night, but on this fourth Sunday of Advent, this, this December 24th morning, our Christmas carol is O Come, All Ye Faithful. For 200 years, no one really knew where O Come, All Ye Faithful came from or even who wrote it. What we do know is that it had been sung in the Catholic Church in France, but that it was originally written in Latin. And then in 1946, a manuscript surfaced in a French monastery containing four verses of this Latin carol. You can see that on the screen. The next year, three more similar manuscripts were found, and all of them were signed by someone that no one had ever heard of, a man by the name of John Francis Wade. You can see his picture on the screen, I believe. Now, an Anglican priest did some detective work and found an obituary of this Englishman who died in France in 1786. It turns out that John Francis Wade was the son of an English cloth merchant. He was a Catholic layperson, and along with many other Catholics, including the deposed King James II, fled to France because of religious persecution. He got a job at a Catholic uh, college in Douai, France, copying music and books, and occasionally teaching old Latin songs. Now, around 1740, he wrote the lyrics and melody for a four-verse carol titled Adestis Fidelis, with words that go, Adestis Fidelis, Lady Triumphants, Venite, Venite in Bethlehem. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem it seemed to catch on almost like a top 40 song in French churches and monasteries. Well, soon after, there was a French priest by the name of Jean-Francois Bourdais, and he added three more verses, including the third verse in our red hymn book. 
There are actually four additional verses to this carol that you almost never hear. In fact, if it weren't for an English priest named Frederick Oakley, you'll see his picture as well, who in 1852 came up with the translation that we sing at Christmas, we might not even have, O come, all ye faithful. Well, let me ask you a question. Who got you here this morning? Was there someone whose voice you heard today say, come, let's go to church? Maybe it was a literal voice, a parent, a spouse, a friend, someone who summoned you. Maybe it was because you have to sing or usher, run the soundboard or count money or lock up the church afterwards. But most likely someone said to you, come on, let's go to church. My friends, all of us are here because someone invited you. Someone said, come on, let's go to Chestnut Level. Maybe it was a voice from long ago, or maybe, as I said, it was someone from this morning, but that voice, what that voice was doing was inviting you, not just to this church, but was inviting you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For nearly each and every one of us, the invitation to faith comes as words from the lips of a person who is or was in our lives. Who was or is that person for you? Oh, come all ye faithful reminds us that the story of Jesus' birth is really an invitation. It's an invitation to the world and to each and every one of us. The Christian writer Albert Bailey said, the poet in this carol takes us by the hand and leads us with triumphant song to the cave of the nativity and Bethlehem, shows us the babe and bids us adore. This hymn, this carol invites us to sing with the angels, invites us to sing with our families, invites us to sing with our fellow believers, and invites us with every fiber of our being to worship Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, it's interesting to me that the, the verb come occurs three times in that Matthew passage that I read and 13 times in the carol, O come, all ye faithful. And like the wise men, we come and we bow before this child and we offer to him our praise and our gifts. We don't sing about a certain fast food restaurant. We don't sing about what it's like when we get behind the wheel of a certain car. We don't sing about chestnuts roasting on an open fire. We sing about a God who has come into this world in power and glory. And as the carol says, word of the father now in flesh appearing. We sing about a baby named Jesus who is the Lord of all and who came to change our lives forever. In the book, The Luck of Roaring Camp, Roaring Camp was the meanest, toughest mining town in all of the West. More murders and more robberies took place, which was completely inhabited by men except for one woman, and she took care of all those miners. Her name was Cherokee Sal, and she tragically died while giving birth to a baby boy. 
And so the miners, those men, took that baby and they put him in a box and they put some old rags underneath him. But when they looked at him, they decided that didn't quite look right. And so they sent one of their men 80 miles away to get a rosewood cradle. He brought it back. They put the rags and the baby in that rosewood cradle. But suddenly the rags didn't look right there. And so they sent another group of miners all the way to Sacramento, California, and they came back with some silk and lace blankets. They took the baby, they wrapped him in those blankets, and they placed him in the rosewood cradle. That looked fine until they noticed the filthy floor. And so the men, these miners, got down on their hands and knees and they scrubbed that floor until it was sparkling clean. Of course, all that did was make the, the walls and the ceiling and the windows look terrible. And so they washed them all down, they put curtains on the windows. Things were now beginning to look as they should. These rough and tumble miners even gave up fighting and brawling because the baby slept a lot and they needed to be quieter and, and less rowdy. Well, the whole tone of roaring camp seemed to change. Then they took the baby and placed him by the entrance of the mine in that rosewood cradle so that they could see him in the morning when they started their day of work and then they could see him at the end of the day when they came out. But then somebody knows what a dirty place that was and say so they planted flowers and started a garden. They made it real pretty as the workers brought this baby shiny little stones from their day in the mine. But when they put their big hands right next to the babies, their hands seemed so filthy. Pretty soon the, the local store was all out of soap. You get the idea. The baby changed everything. And that baby, born in Bethlehem, who changed everything, is for you and me to adore as we sing, O come, all ye faithful. Let me also say that God is not just here for you to come to him, as in the Lord will see you in just a few minutes. Please be sure to fill out both sides of the form. In this baby, God was coming to us so that he might know us and enter into our world. A lot of you here today were born in this area, but some of you have come from somewhere else, like I came from New Jersey, but if you remember, I lived in North Carolina for almost 20 years. Ever wonder what's the difference between a northerner and a southerner? Lots of differences, right? Yeah. Well, a few years ago, Harper's Magazine tried to answer that question. And they answered it by saying, suppose a man is walking across the field to the question, who is that? A southerner would reply, well, wasn't his granddaddy the one whose dog and hen got struck by lightning on the steel bridge? Mama's third cousin, dead before my time, found his railroad watch in that eight-pound catfish stomach that next summer just above the dam. Then the way he married for that new blue Cadillac automobile, reckon that's how come he's walking like he's wearing his Sunday shoes, if that is him, and I think it is, then the article goes on to say to that very same question, who is that? A northerner would say, well, that's Joe Smith. <laughs> to which the southerner would think, but be way too polite to say out loud, they didn't ask his name, they asked who he was. My friends, God knows who we are. God knows our mama, our crazy uncle, and our third cousin. 
God took on human skin so that he might truly know who we are. And we are invited to come into his presence this Christmas, and yes, every day. As I close this morning, I want to ask you one last question. And my question is this, is all of this true for you? I know of people who have told me that their only experience of God has been a God that they cower from instead of adore. The image that comes to their mind is of a God who is angry, a God bent on revenge, a God who is unloving, a God who walks around not with open hands, but with a clenched fist. And maybe it's because of the family they grew up in, they don't see the face of God, but they see a parent who perhaps was very uncaring to them. And so it's with scars and bad memories that they cannot bring themselves to trust God or give their life to him. Well, I don't know all of you here and certainly those watching today, but if you're feeling that way, I want to help you by giving you a different image of God this Christmas. Because you see, at Christmas, God literally comes crawling to us on his hands and knees as a baby. He shows us his nail-scarred hands from the love of his sacrifice. He's given us a meal to share with us in order for us to remember his devotion. There has never been a human who has ever come to you and me in a more humble way than Jesus came to us. And the reason is, there's no human that loves you and me as much as God loves us. And God showed us the depth of that love by coming to us at Christmas as a helpless baby in a manger. If you think about it, the true colors of Christmas are not really red and green. But it's that white flag of surrender that we run up the flagpole of our lives as we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and King. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you so, so much for breaking into our world, and as Kim powerfully demonstrated with those boards, breaking the bonds of sin so that we might experience the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love of Jesus Christ. Oh God, we thank you for the invitation that you've given to us, the invitation of a lifetime to come and behold you and to adore you as Christ the Lord. God, teach us to adore you as day by day we make the words of this carol our very own. Help us not just to sing it, but to embrace it and then to live it out faithfully for you day by day by day. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and live. Amen.